Welcome everyone to Celtic Preacher Podcast 15. And if you would like to subscribe, you can find Celtic Preacher on iTunes, on Podbean, Spotify, many, many platforms. Click the subscribe and each week you will be emailed a new teaching. So today I called this talk Feeling Threatened. You know, there are just some people, there's some people you like and you immediately take to, and then there's others who, for some reason or another, threaten you in some way, or, or you feel annoyed around them or out of sorts. It's, it's easy to criticize them. Well, the disciples come across another man in ministry this morning. They really don't like him. In fact, they'd like to shut him down. But Jesus, as you can guess, has another way for them. So today we're looking at lessons when you feel threatened, insecure, competitive, jealous, that kind of thing. And if not that, you're certainly irritated with someone or you're annoyed. It's the kind of criticism that stems from a deep sense of insecurity. That's where we find our disciples this morning. Insecurity. Now, insecurity is a common thing found in many, many areas of our lives and all ages are affected. I mean, just from children. It starts with children who maybe can't go on the team, right? Or a teenager who can't get a boyfriend or a girlfriend and everyone else has a boyfriend and girlfriend. Well, how come I can't get one? Or the college graduate who can't get the job that she trained for. Or the mother who feels like a failure because her parents' skills aren't what she hoped they would be. It's not quite as easy and as straightforward as she hoped for. Yeah. Or the main provider for the household can't bring in enough money. All these sorts of things make us feel insecure, threatened. It's really endless, the places we could feel insecure. Because there's always someone who's smarter or prettier or richer or more skillful. There's always somebody else who's more creative, you name it, right? More successful, however you define that. And I think we all define success in different ways. Well, the disciples don't feel particularly successful in this passage of scripture. We're in Mark 9, by the way. They're still recovering from, well, what they would perceive as an embarrassing failure of a mission. You know what like it is when you feel like you've, you've, you've tried something, but you've failed in some way? You're a little bit vulnerable. Well, that's where we find the disciples in Mark 9. Now, here's a little bit of the background here. Here's your context. It all started with what the disciples classified as a complete, utter failure of a mission. And it was humiliating to say the least. Because these disciples have been with Jesus almost three years now, and it's time now for them to go out and start their own teaching and, and, and their healing ministry and praying for people, really carrying on the work that Jesus started. Even though they're still young in their faith, Jesus is saying, you know, on you go, try it out. So they went on this mission and a man brought his son 
to them for a healing, and he wasn't healed. This boy wasn't healed. The father goes to Jesus and says, look, I took my son to your disciples for a healing. Nothing happened. He's still sick. Nothing happened. Jesus heals the boy, and once everyone goes home, the father and the son, the disciples ask Jesus why they couldn't do that. What was wrong? Why couldn't they help the boy? And Jesus tells them that this particular kind of problem, that for this particular kind of healing, this problem, prayer was needed. For this particular type of healing, more was required. So it sounds like they're not really the disciples. It sounds like they're really not spiritually prepared, right? They attempt to do something in their own strength, and they fail. Now, this really isn't too difficult to relate to. It's like you go, you, you take on a task, you take on a job, you try something new, you think it's going to be fairly straightforward, you don't really think it's going to be a problem in any way, and you start doing what you want to do, and it's not going the way you planned at all. In fact, it's even worse than that. In fact, when you look back, you think, what an absolute utter failure that was. Okay, that's what happened to Jesus' students, his disciples. Following that, they had this big fight. Remember we looked at that last week, podcast 14? They had this big fight about who was the greatest. And Jesus catching them, arguing with one another. Another kind of embarrassing situation for them. Just wasn't a good week. So they're not in the best of mood. They've been caught arguing with one another who's the greatest one. They've had this failure of a mission. So a couple bad things in a row. You know what happens, right? When you've had a few days and things aren't going well, things bug you more. And you can be more vulnerable. And you can be more easily threatened when things are not going well. So they're not in... Let's just say they're not embodying their best, highest self. And they find out about this other guy in ministry in town doing it amazingly well. It's everything he touches is golden. It's great. And they're particularly annoyed when they learn about this ministry. They don't know this man, but he's having a lot of success in healing. And he's having a lot of amazing things happen, change lives, healings, miracles, he's teaching. In fact, this man was doing the very thing that the disciples had recently had trouble with. And he's not a part of their group. And he's not one of the 12. As far as the disciples are concerned, he's just some stranger who's coming into town, going around healing, talking about Jesus, teaching who does he think he is? Taking our jobs, they're thinking. We're called to do that. Thank you very much. We are the 12. We are the apostles. We are the inside team. So they go to Jesus and they ask Jesus, verse 38, Teacher, we saw a man driving out demons in your name and we told him to stop because he's not one of us. Now, here's a note. First of all, a note on demons. The, remember, this is 2,000 years ago. The ancient world 
attributed many sicknesses to demons, to unseen evil forces, right? This is long before the time of any mental illness diagnosis. This is before germs. This is So the ancient worldview is if someone was incurable, it had to be demonic activity. Uh, now that's not to say there isn't such a thing as uh, evil forces or unhelpful, heavy, oppressive energies. That's kind of another uh, topic. But just a note on this that Everything was attributed to demons. We don't think that nowadays. We have other ways of expressing this kind of thing, right? So the disciples say, Teacher, we saw a man driving out demons in your name and we told him to stop because he's not one of us. So they're threatened by this ministry. Now, here's the thing. Never mind that people are being healed and helped and restored and given hope. Right? No, he needs to stop because he's not one of us and he never asked for our permission and we don't like him. And the disciples tell him to stop. That's how exercised they are. They tell him to stop. And it's like their perspective is, I don't care how much good he's doing. Now you just can't help but wonder, is there a little bit of jealousy and competition going on? especially in the heels of their recent, what they would classify as a mission failure, right? It's like, really? Really? Would people be so petty? Would people be so petty? Would so-called spiritual people be so petty? Well, yeah, yeah. i tell you, it was interesting. I was, I was, rem I was remembering my last year of seminary. And we're all waiting on our first call, so we're graduating. And, you know, there's not a whole lot of choice in your first call, unless you're very well connected or have a parent who's a bishop or know someone. Or So there we are, we're in our final year of seminary and we're getting our assigned regions. And the professor said, now, don't set your hearts on the Twin Cities. That was where the seminary was located. Don't set your hearts on the Twin Cities, Minneapolis and St. Paul. It's too popular an area. Everybody wants to be here. So you've got to be open to going outside of the, the Twin City area. Well, of course, a lot of us did really, truly want to be in the Twin Cities because that was the happening place, right? It was over like, I don't know, 300 churches there. And if, I wanted to be there too. I wanted to be where that stuff was happening. Well, I remember that some of the guys, somehow, some of the men somehow networked to secure a first call in Minneapolis. And I can assure you that I was not rejoicing in their good fortune. I was not happy for them. And if I could have stopped them, I would have stopped them. And that's the way it is, you know. When we feel like we're missing out, when we feel like we're not measuring up or we're not as successful as someone else, all sorts of dark, jealous urges can surface. Right? Because we're comparing ourselves to someone else. Well, how come he got that? How come she got that? 
And comparison in the spiritual life never leads to helpful places. It's a painful spiritual lesson. It's a difficult lesson. And I think it's one that we'll learn more than once. And it needn't be in the area of work and promotions of various kinds. We can be comparing income. We can compare spouses and partners. We can compare children. How come their children are so well-behaved or successful? We can compare family life as we look on to someone else's family life and say, well, how come my family isn't like that? We can compare the house we live in, uh, the clothes we wear. Uh, our creativity is endless. And it is certainly not helpful when it comes from feelings of inadequacy. Now, look how Jesus deals with this problem. This is a, this is a great... Um, Clear teaching here, verse 38. Teacher, teacher, we tried to stop him. So there's the disciples. There's this man going around and he's healing and doing everything in your name. We have no idea how he, who he is. Stop him. And Jesus says in verse 39, don't stop him. Leave him alone. Whoever is not against us is for us. It's like disciples. You're competing with him. You don't even know him. You're suspicious of his credentials. Look at his actions. Look at the fruit of his life. Look at the fruit. Look at the fruit of his ministry. By the way, this is a helpful piece of Jesus' wisdom here. When, you're, when we're unsure of a person, you can tell a lot by the fruit of their life. So that's Jesus' way of saying, what's... When you're not sure about someone, are they loving? Are they compassionate? Are they kind? Well, that's good fruit. On the other hand, you're not sure about someone. Are they judgmental? Are they critical? Are they angry? That's bad fruit. So it's like check out how people truly live. Not so much what they say, because people can say anything. And it may not be true. But for Jesus, it was more, what is the fruit? Um, how does the person live? What follows them? What follows them? Is it, is it judgment and criticism and anger and broken relationships? Is that the trail of brokenness that follows someone? Or you look at someone, it's like they're loving, they're sensitive, they're compassionate, they're kind, they're tolerant. That's good fruit, good fruit. So back to the disciples. It's like, disciples, leave them alone. Leave them alone. Stop trying to control everything. Don't let your insecurities guide you. Take the lead. Don't give your insecurities the upper hand, the final say, right? We're not called to compare ourselves with others. Difficult spiritual work because it's a call for self-awareness, right? Our default is always to be led by insecurity. Our fears are inadequacies. It's what we do best because we're well-practiced, right? But Jesus says, no. Here's another way. It's not about competition, ever. 
You ever want to compete? Compete with yourself. But Jesus always questions our, our first reactions. And it's good for us to do that too, to take a moment and step back and assess when we feel inadequate, when we feel threatened, when we feel like a failure or invisible or insignificant. It's like a spiritual red flag. And the red flag is waving and it's saying, time for self-reflection, which is really what prayer is. Time for some self-reflection. And for the disciples, for the first students, it's like Jesus is saying, mind your own spiritual business. You don't have time for comparing. You know, you're not called to compete. You're called to faithfulness. Right? Whoever's faithful in the little things is faithful in the big things Jesus taught. Whoever's faithful in the little things, faithful in the big things. It's not about competing, trying to establish your superiority and your worth. See, for Jesus, there's no time for uh, establishing your worth because as far as Jesus is concerned, and this is what he teaches, you already have your worth. You already have your identity. You're a child of God, right? So that you already have the approval and the love, the unconditional love of the one who holds all things together. That's how important, how loved you are. I mean, it's just hard to get our heads around this. For Jesus, it's like you... You already have your worth. You're a child of God. What, what, more, what else do you need? You don't need anything else. Let that seep in. Let that get down through the layers. And when it does, you'll have no time for low self-esteem. And let that seep in for a few years and see what healing comes. So for, for, for Jesus, it's like, don't have your eyes on other people. Don't keep your eyes... Don't drift into comparisons. Move forward. Uh, move away from unhelpful competition. Unhelpful competition. It's a wake-up call. It's a wake-up call. It can be a reminder. I'm not called to be, okay, whoever it is I'm threatened by, whoever it is that's uh, coming into my mind and I'm worried about it's like I'm not called to I'm not called to be that person right I'm called to be faithful in what God has given me today my life my work my loved ones I'm called to be faithful to my friends my time my resources my little piece of the world even if it's just a tiny little piece I am called to be faithful to that tiny piece that's what's required of me today not anyone else, just me. I think that's what the Hebrew, the, the Hebrew said um, in the book of Hebrews. That's fixed our eyes on Jesus. We're not concentrating on our failures, our inadequacies. We're not concentrating on other people. We're solidly back to what's important, right? God first always has been, always will be. It's always a way of prioritizing, getting our eyes off what is unhelpful, and on to what is good and true. Well, thank you for joining me. You've been listening to Jesus' wisdom on what to do when we feel threatened, feeling like a bit of a failure. You're giving your energy to the wrong things, Jesus says. 
It is not about anyone else. Never mind what others are doing. Pay attention to your own life. That's enough to take care of. There's the prayer. There's the heart cry. God, help me pay attention to what's truly important and let go of the rest. Let go of the rest. Join me again next week for another episode of Celtic Preacher.